Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It's the season. It is. It's it, arrived. It's arrived hard the last couple <laughs> weeks. Man, I am having a holiday season. All right. Yeah, it's straight up winter. It's it Christmas time. Breaking my back we're, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Yeah, we're in the thick. Yeah. And it's Christmas, though. I've also been in my spare time watching some Christmas movies. That is probably one of the best parts. That's the that's the that's the thing keeping me right of now. Of the season. Yeah, you get to watch your National Lampoon Christmas. Uh just had the Charlie Brown Christmas on the other day. Of course. And uh yeah, grew we up a, with these, right? We got, we got a Christmas classic here, I guess. Classic. I don't know. That I've never seen before, yeah. <laughs> one of my yeah. We did Long Kiss Goodnight last year as our big Shane Black Christmas. Man, I can't believe it's been a year already since Right. That. That's, that's what I go. That's how I uh, mark my mental time now. It's like, well, we did long, <laughs> long episodes. Good night. Yeah. And he said, you know, that was pretty great. We're going to want to do all these Shane Black movies. Yeah. I love Shane Black. Hollywood success story, Shane yeah, Black. Right? <laughs> right? Guy lived the dream he wanted to live. It's had a lot of peaks and valleys, and but I've been there for it the whole, the whole ride. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. And so we've been wanting to do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for a while both because it's the one that i haven't seen mm. and i have a lot of friends who have a lot of love for this movie i'm excited this is a fun movie this is a lot of fun yeah if nothing else this one puts a smile on my face yeah um, this like most shane black movies i saw once loved it never saw it again <laughs> i don't know what it is with him but like i rented long kiss goodnight way back in the day yeah loved it you know it's been probably 10 15 years since i watched lethal weapon you know that he wrote and yeah. Yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was another one. I watched it once, was like, man, this is great. Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> Val so, Kilmer. I love these guys. And then it's been, what, 17, 17 years? years. <laughs> I think it specifically falls for you and me into this gap. Like, man, let me tell you, 2004 to 2005 was the, the years of me seeing all the movies, loving them, and then never revisiting that <laughs> period of my life ever again. I think so, yeah. There are so many movies like, man, remember Garden State? Remember what it was like walking out of fucking Garden State <laughs> with your friends? And just like, cinema. film is here, right? <laughs> We're 22. <laughs> exactly. Remember, remember Lost in Translation? Remember that walk to the parking lot? Just like, yeah, man. We're watching movies now. I'm buying that on We're DVD the second now. it comes out. I'm getting this on what I'm hearing is called the Criterion Collection. Yeah, man. <laughs> 2004 was when everybody had 400 DVDs. <laughs> everybody fucking bought Lost in Translation on DVD because it was 2004. Oh, my God. And With I'm that sure... That shitty plastic cover. Like They didn't even have to make them good back then. No. They were like, this is... Below rental quality for a case. <laughs> Here's a slip. These are hundreds Watch of thousands this movie in sales, a thousand right? times. Yeah. And so Kiss Kiss Bang Bang hits that year when I was like, ah, yeah, 2005. What were people doing? I don't know, man. People were like rocking against Bush. Right? <laughs> it's a strange. It's strange to think back on that time now because we were so so just. Dude, it's such a weird so era. Like, dumb, man, had right? no idea what was coming. <laughs> 
had no idea how how shitty things were gonna get. <laughs> how crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Still just like openly making gay jokes in movies. Still All of just... them. And it was the year Brokeback Mountain came out. Like other movies were still making gay jokes. Other movies were like, no, we're doing this movie. Yeah. Like we're going to make old people see our gay God. cowboy movie. Speaking of a, of a movie you love when you're 22 and haven't seen Loved since. Loved it. <laughs> saw it in the theater. Cried in the theater. Never saw it again. Yeah. I have abandoned those two years. I don't, I'm not going to, man, I don't need to. I don't need to explore the trauma that America was secretly going through when everybody had to pretend that, like, Wedding Crashers was really funny. <laughs> that was 2005, baby. Yeah, right. Wedding Crashers, reinventing comedy. <laughs> it was that strange period right before the Marvel movies took over. Yeah, man, that was it. That was, it. That was sea of just... Batman Begins was around then, right? Oh, yeah, That sure. was it. That's when they're like, we can do this, guys. We got this, I think. <laughs> and then it would be the next 20 years. It's like when they say 80s, 90s, and today, and that was the start of it. That's today. That's been today for 17 years. That's why we haven't revisited our 0405s. And let me say, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang feels so 2005. Yeah, it was weird to <laughs> watch it again through, this year. Yeah, I just watched it again uh, for this episode, and uh, man, it is, it's, there's some dates yeah, that man. are just stamped on every frame of this movie. This was like I was I was suddenly a, a lifelong subscriber to Maxim magazine because every video game magazine I subscribed to went out of business. I got my automatic this felt just like, yep. Probably read a feature about this in two thousand five <laughs> Maxim magazine. Certainly about Robert Downey Jr.'s triumphant oh, comeback. This is a movie of comebacks, man. It kinda is. Yeah, well, this movie springboard while not a success itself and being firmly rooted in two thousand five. This was a launch pad for, for a lot of... I mean, Downey Jr. and Shane Black, baby. Yeah. This, this is probably back. the one after Long Kiss Goodnight for Shane Black. Where yeah, it's like, like he 10 years went later. dark for yeah a decade and then came back and just started making movies again. It's a great story. You know, yeah. there's the other big, you know, hot screenwriters. Like, Joe Esterhaus went back to Ohio, man. He's just like, oh, yeah, Hollywood. Nope, that's burned. Uh-huh. The second Showgirls happened, he's just like, I'm probably going to bounce. Right. Like it feels like I got paid a lot of money for a few under underwhelming scripts, so I'm gonna head back home. And Shane Black, man, I love how uh, he went out and lived the cocaine and Hollywood Hills mansion lifestyle. He got exactly what he wanted. Yeah, right. Four million dollars for scripts and and just doing blow in the hills. That is exactly what he dreamed of, right? That's I assume that's what he was doing for the eight years before this movie. Yeah. Well, the- it was, but it's. You got to look at it different ways. When he was writing Lethal Weapon and like Last Boy Scout, people were like, he was life of the party at he those was parties. Yeah. Suddenly for nine years, he was the guy that's like, the second the bag's empty, you know, there's a new party, mm-hmm. right? Like those years must be brutal. I think he's directly writing about that in the opening of this movie at that party in the Hollywood Hills. That was his mansion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It felt like a few parties that Shane Black had actually been to and and probably had actually gotten his ass kicked on the lawn. (laughs) You know he's gotten his ass kicked somewhere in L.A., right? And he he loves, like, he's not hiding from that. Yeah. And that's kind of him and down here, like, a pretty great team of, these guys have both been down and out in different ways and had to kind of 
kind of catch a few breaks to make that comeback. Mm-hmm. Go beg into the people that they still had connections with and can still kind of sell them on the, an idea, right? From this guy to go from writing Lethal Weapon in college. Yeah. Punching it up afterwards, but man, I saw Lethal Weapon recently and it is great. Mm-hmm. It is a great movie. There is some dramatically intense stuff in that movie and that's insane to come out of college with that right and uh well that i mean that's what he does and he did it in long kiss goodnight and he certainly does it in this one the the drama in in the comedy mixed in really wide swings of like melodrama in this movie and downey jr just like on this tightrope of sanity in some scenes and then cuts to him just getting his butt kicked in a very <laughs> hilarious way on the lawn. Perfect cut. As he's, yeah, this movie is just so wild that way, back and forth the whole way through. Lethal Weapon, some of the drama is so good that you could have you cut out the comedy. And this would have been, one, you know, the, the scene of Mel Gibson's suicide attempt <laughs> with his gun is like some of the rawest mm-hmm. uh, vulnerable emotion on screen I've seen. like... You could have done a movie out of that, but also got some pretty good jokes. But also, yeah, the <laughs> uh, handcuffing himself to the jumper and making the guy jump with him—one of my all-time favorite crowd pleaser. Yeah, crowd funniest. Crowd like, goes nuts for that, yeah. right? It's perfect. <laughs> so, and Shane Black, like you said, he does it all, and it helps when you're doing a Raymond Chandler movie because that's the same kind of thing. Like the Long Goodbye mm-hmm. has some of the hardest laughs. Elliot Gould is hilarious through at least the first half of The Long Goodbye. And then it's kind of sad. <laughs> you know, and then it's just, uh, oh, some people died that didn't need to die. Yeah, just some bad things happened. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's this movie to a T. Yeah, this is like a neo-2005 noir detective pulp crime movie. Fully. But also, yeah, like a Hollywood Hills comedy. So you've got both. So it's a Hollywood satire. Yeah. It's the Hollywood Hills murder mystery that's kind of like, you know, as goofy as only murders in the building sometimes. <laughs> it's basically Hollywood homicide. If you ever saw that with Harrison Ford, yes, where he's taking the actor out on the real life cop stuff. Check out our Hollywood homicide episode. <laughs> it's we go deep one. on Heartnet. Like it's probably about the same era. Right? I, it had to be two thousand five. Oh my god. god. <laughs> I'm looking that up while we talk. <laughs> but. but yeah, so the, the long and short is, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is a ex-thief, cons his way into becoming an actor, is in Hollywood, has to uh, take some detective classes with Val Kilmer, a PI. They get into some shit, and then it kind of turns into like a bit of a Lebowski. It's such kind a... Of outrageous <laughs> mis- murder mystery plot. It's such a complicated plot with one of those Lebowski plots that's, oh, it's actually not that complicated, but everybody's always explaining things in the most complicated ways. That you do not understand when no. they are explaining it. There no. are so many times in this movie where Val Kilmer is explaining what's going on. I'm like, I don't, I'm not following. <laughs> I am not following this. Val Kilmer <laughs> is so incredible in this movie because not only is he gives one of the funniest performances ever. He also has to multiple times explain and catch everybody up on the entire plot while coming off like, cool. Cool, yeah. And he does it. <laughs> but also because he's a gay character, there's just got to be a little bit of gay in there in, in the corner. It's, it's, it's 2005. And it's we gotta, 2005, yeah. We got to really call out the gayness 
of well, the he, character. They did come up with a gay, a great gay name though, Gay Perry. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a so you know. There's that rule that gag names are like never funny. I don't know if that's actually true. Mm. We've talked about this before, but Gay Perry is a really funny name. <laughs> and the fact that everybody calls him Gay Perry just like it's his like it's the very normal thing. Yeah. That huh? then you know it's a real nickname. Yeah. yeah. That's legit. It's so good. He's he's not like he's walking into the into the room like Gay Perry's here and everyone's rolling their <laughs> Gay eyes. Perry. Oh god. Yeah, Perry's Maurice here. Maurice it all over <laughs> like No, yeah, just Gay Perry. It's so good. Yeah. Some people probably don't even get the joke. You know, if you just say it without any uh, reaction face, a lot of people just miss the most obvious puns, right? And this movie is the kind of movie that will both make a lot of jokes and then also feel the need to explain a lot of jokes to you. <laughs> I, uh, when I say this is 2005, man, that Robert Downey Jr. narration whew, is so 05 man. that it is, you know, it just took me back. <laughs> it took me right back. It's it's right in between like adaptation and Fight Club of like the self aware narrator who knows he's in a movie. Oh and man! Is, and literally stops the movie mid frame a few times to critique the scene. <laughs> so intrusive. One of the most intrusive narrations. Of it was movie. one step away from him like actually like pausing the action and walking onto the screen like <laughs> stage right. Right. It's got a little like pointer. Yeah, you see here, <laughs> we needed a little bit of like, oh, hey, out there. We needed some references to specific people in the audience, which we end up getting. They go there. They go like Gremlins two at a certain point. <laughs> this movie is one step off of being like a a uh, parody movie, a, but also just being like an old classic. Uh, what do they call them? The uh, slapstick kind of comedy. Sure. Is this Shane Black's Gremlins two? It could be. <laughs> is this him it, just like, I'm getting the chance to make a movie again? <laughs> I'm doing all of my... Like, is he just getting in all of his most Shane Black stuff? Yeah. Is this the most raw, pure Shane Black? Because it's him being like, I might not get to do this again. I, I spent nine years not doing this. I'm getting in random nip slips. I'm getting in Downey Jr. doing some, like, cool guy Tarantino narration. Like, is this all of it? I'm getting the car chases. I'm getting... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good shootouts. Good shootout. Bodies flying off of freeways. Yeah. yeah is this, all the good is this the most uncut, dis- undistilled Shane Black there is? Right. But it's almost like he's trying to also do like a bit of a Billy Wilder, like classic yeah. Hollywood He's, he's like farce. making every movie he's wanted to make yeah. in one movie. And uh, and that narration is just... When, when Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. introduces himself as the... Na- like, I'll be your narrator. <laughs> I'll. He says it in the beginning of the movie... I'm Harry. I'll be your narrator. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're that, sitting that, down to dinner. So that <laughs> but that felt like, man, so I have... Like, yeah, so why does it work? <laughs> I, I have, like, you know, 30,000 emails saved, right, over the years from whenever I started a, a Yahoo account way back when, mm-hmm. right? And so, because I have stuff from there, like, I've saved drafts, I, a big compiler of drafts in emails and stuff, right? And so sometimes I'll do a word search if I'm looking for something specific, but it'll pull up emails and interchanges with exchanges with friends from like oh three oh four sometimes i'm i'm nostalgic i'll go back and read a couple and it's like we were different <laughs> there's no ifs ands or buts we were different man we talked differently we were goofier we were sillier we uh, uh yeah. we made more like uh it's like now we we've heard the same kind of uh 
when we were making a he's standing right behind me isn't he joke meant something <laughs> no we were just goofier in these things and the comedy was it was like jim carrey uh character doing real life detective work right the comedy was happening people were into it in 0405 again wedding crashers made 200 million didn't laugh in that movie a single time <laughs> most joyless i ever felt 200 million we loved it i know it's so it's yeah i'm getting hit with some nostalgia just thinking back <laughs> because yeah this movie is just so in its moment and uh doesn't feel like a shane black movie of the last few years you know oh, man and uh nice guys is like the perfectly refined i was just yeah version of this i think as as a directorial effort and and this one's got like sepia tone in the flashbacks and it's just got all this wild kind he of has a vision tricks man. And, and stuff to it mm-hmm. this was didn't look like an easy movie to shoot yeah he really made it complicated and busy and frenetic in a lot of ways so he was going for it. And yeah, and the narration and the dialogue is just nonstop. <laughs> Rapid fire. This is an exhausting movie at times. To, yeah. To just, it's about like three people who won't shut up. <laughs> no matter what happens. Man, this, this era is so weird that, that when I read that the other choice for Robert Downey Jr.'s part of this movie was Johnny Knoxville. It's like, yeah. Oh my lord. Makes sense. Yeah. We were this far away from Johnny Knoxville in a Shane Black movie. Had to revive Robert Downey Jr.'s career instead. But, yeah, the plot is both so, man, anything can happen in Hollywood, and also incomprehensible, (laughs) and also, like, Chinatown was good, right? Throw in incest. Oh, I know. And, like... Yeah, let's let's make a really sad incest (laughs) suicide subplot go on. Man. Damn, Shane. That's why, yeah, it's like the long goodbye handles that with, like, you know, Gravitas. Like, man, some people really... Didn't value some other people's lives here. This is, I mean, this isn't all the jokes and putting yeah. putting my 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 fingerprints ink on my face to do mammy. Yeah, like maybe I should take this shit a little more seriously. And so this is uh, instead feels like uh, we're being clobbered with some of that sometimes. In between, uh, you like nipple jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in between the. Uh... Yeah, the tiny gun jokes and the uh, by the time we're getting Robert Downey like, Jr. just hamming it up. And it was yeah, it was these ha- the, his narrations were also it was, it was like record scratch style narration, <laughs> you know the yeah. hold up. <laughs> no, it really was. It's like he's he stops the movie to critique the scenes. I think by the third time he does that, I'm like, let's just get to the movie. <laughs> just keep going. It it's I think uh it, it's. It would have been so different if I had seen this actually in 2005. I just saw this movie. Never seen it before. And because that level of self-reference mm-hmm. and people who watch movies only to, like, know something is just gotten so overbearing. And so I saw Lost Boys recently. I'll see it anytime it plays the theater. I'm always going to watch the Lost Boys. And, you know... That movie might have a famous saxophone scene. (laughs) But first thing, movie ends, lights go up. Guy behind me just goes, every 80s movie had a saxophone. (laughs) Just fuck. It feels just like, yep, that's the old. People read that somewhere on Reddit or Cracked Mm -hmm. if it's 2005. (laughs) And they're just like, I'm going to be making that joke for 17 years now. And that's it. And so this movie, right, if you're seen in 05, man. 
Well, when yeah. you're in the middle of, you know, that's what's 05. so weird. Rewatching it now is yeah, I do remember watching it, you know, renting it shortly after it came out. So, oh seven maybe, yeah, something like probably that. had it on DVD. And uh, <laughs> yeah, not feeling like the yeah the way of rewatching it and remembering the scenes as they played out, and then being like, oh, but now it's dated in yeah. my head. It's like when I that. when I watch any movie from two thousand one and it's blue. <laughs> every movie yeah. was just deep blue <laughs> for a lot this has some of that you watch sure. traffic and it's like what is the color oh happening here in traffic rewatching traffic and all the scenes in mexico it's like did they just put cheesecloth in front of this <laughs> what is the and at the time it's just like man movies are changing <laughs> i'm seeing movies now guys yeah everything's blue and this record scratch narration wouldn't have jumped out to me in the slightest in those years now it is just like boy (laughs) (laughs) he went hard on this it was one of those things where i was getting kind of tired just like dowdy is just such a blabbermouth in this yeah i like the refined ryan gosling approach to this character (laughs) of a guy who will get his ass kicked but he will only get off a couple of smarky lines (laughs) other than that he's kind of a quiet guy he knows when he's in the shit. Downey yeah. just babbles his way through this whole thing. I love uh, the the big kind of kickoff action scene is when Downey Jr. and, and Val Kilmer as Harry and Gay Perry. <laughs> so thank you. Now we have one character named Harry, Harry, Harry calling Perry out, and yeah. then one character Perry calling out Harry. They are on the on the uh, trail of someone trying to get some PI video of some dastardly thing. And then we get our big action sequence. Yeah. The, the car goes into the lake that they see. They pull a woman out of the lake. They see the bad guys up on the hill. <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. is like, hey! Hey! <laughs> hey, get down here! What's going on? We got a dead body down here! <laughs> he might as well just be like, I'm going to call the cops and tell them everything I've seen. To the guys clearly in the ski masks who've just pulled off the crime. And yeah, Val Kimmer's just like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> We uh in high school we went to a few like college overnights, you know, one of the dumbest moments I've ever been involved in. Of course, none of us were gonna sleep in the assigned dorms. We were out mm-hmm. causing ruckus, Absolutely. running around these college campuses, right? Like seventeen years old, and some campus security at one of these colleges like caught me and my buddy Steve, and we hadn't actually been doing anything bad. Mm-hmm. Just been out when we weren't supposed to be, right? And this cop was just about to let us go. And I look down, and there's a broken egg on the sidewalk. Oh, that shit. It was not either of us. And I'm seeing this egg stand there with the cop shining his light where the egg's fully visible. But he's, like, looking in our eyes. And so I keep trying to just, like, get him out of there by, like, making eye contact. And my buddy points out the egg. Oh, no. It's like, we were in the clear. <laughs> like, we were, we were done. Who else is this egg next to us? Gonna be a su- just weren't even just oh not there. And that's man, I'm just thinking of that egg. Thinking of Downey Jr. flagging down those dudes who you could only see their silhouettes, who both appeared over the hillside, lit by their headlights yeah. at the same time. Get down here! Hey, who are you? Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm Harry. <laughs> I love Shane Black in 2005 so much that even before we get to that big scene, just getting Downey out to L.A. is such a production. Yeah, that's a cool scene too. <laughs> Everybody, he is in some schemes. He is a he is a punk. Yeah, he's he's out uh, thieving. He's a professional thief, I guess. 
in New York. Getting run down by the cops. There's several times in this movie where a bystander has a gun and yeah. decides to use it on the bad guy. <laughs> I love that. Just for robbing a toy store. So, and yeah, just he someone... like runs into a midnight <laughs> casting call on Christmas Eve, I guess. That's a great scene yeah, yeah. where he's been shot in the arm and he doesn't know what's going on. All of a sudden he's evading the cops. Busts in to see Larry Miller doing auditions. <laughs> Larry Miller's a great casting guy. Handed the script, yeah. Perfect guy to be a casting call. And the woman from Exorcist Three, yeah, she looked very familiar. I couldn't place. Always associated with Exorcist Three, but it's like, man, she really does New York casting call woman good. Uh, But yeah, just to get some guy from point A to point B, it's never easy. It's never easy. This movie's only four days long. Feels like months of action happen in this thing. But yeah, that it is. Yeah, that is true. It's you think about it's only like. Half a week, but it's also going on, but. it's also got like Drew Barrymore jokes. <laughs> it's got a guy peeing on a corpse. It, uh, it's got a Lord <laughs> of the Rings reference. Yeah, in the narration, we're just we're talking about other movies that we all collectively saw. Wouldn't have batted an eye. Yeah, quite a referential movie. Yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, wouldn't have thought twice about it. <laughs> this is how movies are made. This is what we do now. <laughs> this is how we do it. I'm sure if I go back and watch King Kong, they'll be like, there's like a 50-50 <laughs> chance King Kong's narrating part of this. Yeah, right. Haven't seen it. Loved it. Cried during that one. I cried in 2004 King Kong. 2005 King Kong, man. I was like, because I'm always the, like, you know, they should be together. <laughs> I, like, I could be pushed into some dumb they should be together scenarios right he was good for her <laughs> yeah like kind of liked them i liked yeah. what they had and so i was crying in uh in king kong and and i'm sure it, i'm sure it'll be narrated by naomi watts doing like a bad accent if i watch now or by jack black i would think yeah probably jack black like i'm sure why it's, not? It's bad enough he has to, he gets to deliver the uh, you know it was beauty killed the beast line at the end of the movie, right? I'm sure the mo- I'm sure the whole movie is that thing. Yeah. Then the beast arose, like Jack Black doing Orson Welles voice. <laughs> I'm sure it's all that. I mean, I just I, ever since I saw adaptation and there's that scene where Brian Cox is doing the lecture on screenwriting while Nick Cage is narrating, and then Brian Cox is like, and God help you if you use voiceover narration. <laughs> I can't watch any movie with narration now without thinking of that. You want, want to know a movie that I saw in theaters that really affected me and the way I thought about movies that I've only seen the one time in theaters? Adaptation. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good movie. I haven't watched it in 15 I, years. I memory hold Great every movie. single movie that came out in that those two specific years. I'm never dealing it with whatever traumas back there. Yeah. Too many red flags already. Brian Cox was in adaptation. Sure, I think I, uh, I think it was. Him. <laughs> you tell me. In my memory, in my memory, it's him. Saw it in the theater, adored it. I guess it's been eighteen years, baby. Yeah. That's a great movie, but yeah, this movie, I don't know. I I think uh, watching it now, it was less than what I remember it. You know? So it might be that way with something like adaptation too, because still really entertained nah, by this movie. Still had a lot of fun and. I could just listen to Robert Downey Jr. babble all day. He is good at that. <laughs> he is good. But yeah, it's just a little bit like a, hmm. You can't go home again? It's a little. <laughs> it's just a little shallow. And him and, uh, you know, the girl. The girl's great, Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, what do I know her Harmony. from? What is she? She's been, she was in a handful of stuff in that era that you have sure. not revisited. You know, sure. She was in Mission Impossible 3 or uh, one of the Bourne Legacy sequels. I bet. You know. 
I'm sure she was. I think she's in mostly like TV stuff. I'm now. sure she's in some like some movie that got like a lot of prestige Oscar nominations. Yeah, like eight, could at least. I don't know, but uh, yeah, she. Uh, but she's also just got that same kind of fast talking. Like I think everyone is just a little bit too similar. That Everybody's just all a- kind of fast talking smart asses who say fuck too much. Yeah, and they're like apologizing to the people in the Midwest about how much they say fuck. When Tarantino would act, you know. At least he out Tarantinoed everybody else yeah. in any given scene. In this one, everybody is the same. Is like Shane Black. <laughs> everybody so. talks like everyone, or everyone's just kind of in a bit of like a fast talking competition. Like I think I could say my line faster. Let's give it a shot. Wetter than Drew Barrymore at a grunge club is pretty <laughs> dumb. In two thousand five, two thousand grunge club. The balls to make fun of whatever social and in life dips drew barrymore <laughs> yeah in a movie with shane black robert Downey jr but also what's a grunge club that's a good like question. what are we when we have to stretch these limits of the jokes just to just to so you can make a joke about drew barrymore getting wet for guys with neck tattoos yes yeah. by the way 2005 baby also re-watching this movie now and having only seen robert downey jr basically as iron man for the yeah. last 12 years or whatever right uh, I was shocked at how bad he looks in this movie. <laughs> Especially the first half of this movie. He is like pale, sweaty, ill-defined, de- Ill hair's a mess, eyes are bugging out. I, just I, was saw- like, I was like, I think he's still on the juice a little bit. <laughs> I just saw this, thea- this in the theater. And uh, due to how the theater was situated, I was in the front row. Mm. I thought he looked horrifying in some scenes. (laughs) Nobody has seen a bigger visual of Robert Downey Jr. than me in the last week. And I thought he looked like a gremlin. (laughs) I'm glad it's not just me. Because he looks great as Iron Man. And he's really like, obviously, his eyes were looking good these days. Bugged out in some of these scenes. Yeah, and it's just his skin looked like folded in a weird way. Like it was just too much skin on the face. His facials. So I just watched Holiday Classic. Home for the Holidays, mm, mm-hmm. Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr. is her brother in that. Great movie. And yeah, it was 10 years before, but it really, I watched these back to back, and it really puts a stamp on why those were the worst, like, 10 years of his life. Yeah, There are some scenes where you see how he looked in Home for the Holidays, where he was begin using. 95, 96 was when the heroin use really mm. kicked in, right? The deeper stuff. I didn't know he went full H. Yeah. Yeah. In and out of jail a lot during this. Yeah. From home from the holidays up till Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Pretty dead. They wanted to revive him. Right? He did like, yeah. you know, six episodes on Ally McBeal. It's like, get him an Emmy. We're bringing him back. He, people <laughs> want to root for a guy like Yeah, him. we love him. Mm-hmm. That's why he's so good as Iron Man. Like, that's why those movies succeeded. Because you are rooting for this dude. Yeah. There's a whole generation of people who... Like, kids are going to be shocked if they find out that Iron Man went to jail for five years. (laughs) There's a whole history. That's going to be like when we found out Tim the Toolman Taylor was a cocaine dealer back in the 80s. (laughs) Right, a guy who sold out all his other coke friends to get out of jail. The Toolman? Yeah. For us, it was like, Robert Downey Jr. was on SNL? Like, he he had a whole other life that we didn't know. And for kids, it's just like, Iron Man did heroin? It's good. You know, when Downey Jr. dies when he's like 62, and everybody's just like, he looks so good. It's just like, check out Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, take a look. 
Yeah. And I'm sure if we watched Gothica, it's just like, Ugh. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like, let's go back and revisit the singing detective. <laughs> Check out how he looked at some of those shots. Yeah, but this was the one I think where he got him back on the on the map, and then he's doing. Uh, did he do Scanner Darkly after this one? Right around that time, yeah. that was at least him getting interesting roles. And then Zodiac was great, you know, in '07. But Val Kilmore was in a, a kind of weird spot too, where he was doing art house, more kind of like Salt and Sea, right? And the one where he played John Holmes, yeah. You know, he was a decade removed from being Batman he, he, and a decade removed man. from being Iceman. He can, yeah, he's kind of gone the other direction. Yeah. Where he's had some health problems and now he's just not. Uh, yeah, I think. Not, not a guy you see out in public anymore. I'm pretty sure Maverick was his, like, goodbye. Mm. Like, literally, you know, that's that's how it goes down in the movie. And his whole scene is pretty much him saying, like, yeah, I can barely say words now. just like swallowing is difficult like you know and i think it's it's used in the movie as this big shock of like because it's maverick seeing iceman for the first time in ages but it's also everybody in that sold out theaters first time seeing val kilmer in a while it's it was this really added to the scene just like oh yeah all right i get it and so yeah these everybody in this movie is at a weird career point here and Downey Jr. gets such a hammy role, and Kilmer gets such a good... Like, got to imagine this was a, a good... This had to springboard Downey directly to Iron Man, right? I, I think, yeah, this and probably, yeah, a few others like Zodiac probably... Oh, is, Zo- okay, what, Zodiac was next year, right? Well, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's what they were like. Okay, we can we can put this guy in the role. When you combine we the trust the him. crazy energy that he brings to every scene he's in in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with the different dramatic ener- crazy energy that he brings to Zodiac. I mean, if you didn't think that he was like, no, I'm taking this seriously. I'm ba- I'm a guy that you can bank on. I'm still charming people like me. Uh, people like to root for a guy who's back. Mm-hmm. You know, people like this. People that- There's a reason why Drew Barrymore has a daytime talk show now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who could hate Drew Barrymore, right? I'm glad she got out of her eight-year-old drug addiction. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad she got out of the grunge clubs. <laughs> Put <laughs> her, the grunge herself clubs together. Into after the view. <laughs> Good for them, right? I will never know what it's like to have a drug addiction before I'm like in school. Like I, I will never out. be a kid growing up with weird acting parents. Yeah. Robert Downey Sr. was a weird guy. I uh, I I get why somebody'd be hooked on weird drugs and parties from age twelve up. Mm-hmm totally different life than i would have ever known right so to see him kind of make this like it's a good movie to root for yeah and he is good in it yeah and him and kilmer together that's that's the part that holds up the best Rewatching it now it's like i remember so many of the moments where he's uh my favorite line is where and i think of it all the time (laughs) is where kilmer says you know look up the the word idiot in the dictionary and Downey Jr. is like, what, you're going to find a picture of me? He's like, no, you're going to find a definition of the word idiot, which is what you fucking are. <laughs> that stuff holds up. It does. Their, yeah, it's, their banter is great. You know, there's great lines in, in Lethal Weapon that I'm sure some stuff in Lethal Weapon does seem a bit aged, but like Mel Gibson's hair. and <laughs> But there's like great lines are great lines, right? A <laughs> great script's a great script. And there's a, you watch some of these movies like Long Kiss Goodnight, which bombed sadly or the last boy scout any of those movies it all holds up for a reason 
people were buying his scripts for record money mm-hmm. for a reason. People were there <laughs> for the same reason we're talking about how much we love a comeback like Shane Black and Downey. They love just as much when those guys fucking burn. <laughs> they love it. So these two, and Shane Black seems to write and understand characters that get both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> nobody else, right? Because he's lived deeply in both of these worlds. And he writes, at this point we can say he writes what he knows. It seems ridiculous because he writes such ridiculous things. But he seems to know this world really well. Well, he always gets praised when it's something like Nice Guys or something like that. And then he tries to do The Predator and gets just like absolutely <laughs> dunked on yeah. and shit on by the other you know crowds that don't want a Shane Black movie. Or I think it's kind of the same with his Iron Man 3. It's like, I don't think that one's a very popular one amongst the Marvel people. Right. But I think it's at least one of the more interesting ones. It does some some tricks and take some turns that you don't I mean, see in most Marvel movies. We came close to doing it instead of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We'll we'll do it. <laughs> we're going to do all the Shane Black Shane Christmas Black, movies. Yeah. It is a Shane Black Christmas movie. We're going to do it. <laughs> but it's this is probably also the least Christmassy feeling yeah. one of all the uh, the Shane Black this Christmas. This is barely, yeah. This is like set in LA and you see a couple Christmas lights in the background, but not much. We're not it's not like Santa getting like But that's stabbed what's great. Can't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay I didn't that. need expressly Christmas. Sometimes you just need the vibes. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, there's the movies that aren't expressly Christmas, it's like, you, you get the vibe. You get the winter sense. Sometimes mm-hmm. a winter movie is all I need to match my mood, right? But some of his lines are just so good. And he has a he has a knack for finding guys that are good at reading his lines. That's Yeah. That's a Tarantino thing, too. He knows who can say his dialogue. I think that's a big part of why this, the narration works and why the movie works is that it sounds like Robert Downey Jr. saying this stuff. Yeah. It sounds like he's maybe just adding his own cadence and stuff to it or, or even adding words, but yeah. it's The Coen brothers get that too, like how mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges said, no, every single thing I did was on the page. <laughs> you know, Because right. right. so, it comes off so natural and so perfectly Jeff Bridges. Like no way anybody could have thought that up and had him just do everything they wanted feels too natural. That feels like it'd be really hard to write, too. Like, trying to write <laughs> for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And uh, trying to get that right. Like That's that's impressive. Not just that, but having characters that talk at, like, Clerks dialogue read speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you watch, go back and watch Clerks sometime, man. They sprint <laughs> through some of these lines, man. It's insane. So writing that much dialogue, you know how thick this uh, script must have been just writing out Downey's... Uh, if he was giving him direct stage movements and uh-huh. everything. Man, I'd love to see Robert Downey Jr. do Clerks. Put him in the in the Dante role. Hit him in Dante. Yeah, wow. That would be He'd awesome. He'd be a great Dante. Or Randall. I don't know. Would he be a good Just Randall? Big Val Kilmer Randall. All right. <laughs> that works. <laughs> wow. Why I'm did, into it. Why didn't he get them? <laughs> if he would have waited to the right year, I mm-hmm. bet he could have made that happen. You, you get... Uh, Post, I'm finally getting clean, Dowdy. Right with like, right with like Val Kilmer, fat in Alexander, and you're just like, I think we can do this, guy. <laughs> just remake it. Just, just do it. Yeah. Just oh it. well, there's one problem now. <laughs> Val Kilmer would be tough as Randall now. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't handle it, but well, Downey's doing his wild manic thing, constantly, never shutting up. Val Kilmer gets to bring this timing based comedy. Every word out of this guy's mouth is funny, man. Mm-hmm. But the timing. When he insults a room full of women at an art installation, 
and perfectly ducks under a glass while like (laughs) (laughs) without breaking stride just a shrill fuck you followed by him just taking one lower step as a glass right over his little that's just yeah that's the stuff that really feels like a broad slapstick comedy Man, like almost W.C. Fields. Exactly. You'd see that in a, you said the slapstick or the farce kind of comedies from the 40s, man. That joke killed. (laughs) (laughs) That joke killed. It's so perfect. I rewound and watched that three different times. The way he doesn't break eye contact, he just ducks, right? God damn. It's so funny. Yeah. Not even a line in the movie. Just him doing it. There's some stuff, some of the best stuff in Lethal Weapon is scenes with no dialogue. How does he? How does he do it? How does he get away? How does Shane Black get away with this to be known for all? Some of the best jokes are just yeah. right there. One of my favorite. One of the funniest parts of this movie to me is when uh, they've just had their big like the they they got the body in the trunk. They have just found out that maybe Michelle Monaghan's killed herself, and Downey Jr.'s <laughs> distraught. He's leaning against Val Kilmer's car, <laughs> and Val Kilmer's like, "I gotta go. I I gotta go." And he just <laughs> the way he kind of just like. Takes his fingers and just tries to push him off the car a little bit so he can go. <laughs> Too good. Yeah. There's some really good physical comedy at this. There has to be. Yeah. It's a physical movie, right? It's an action movie. The action scenes felt like Shane Black action. Mm-hmm. The final shootout was great. Love the, Yeah, the whole final uh, scene on the bridge overpass there is top-notch stuff. I was so actually shocked by Val Kilmer's death. Yeah, yeah. When I saw Maverick, I was sure that uh, Iceman was going to die in this movie. Because we're flat out told, I'm dying. (laughs) I was as sure as Iceman was going to die in Maverick as I was sure that Gay Perry was going to live in this movie. So when that guy went down, and the way they fell down, great death falls Mm -hmm. from both of them. When Perry went down, I was stunned. It's like, they're... They're doing that? No way. No way. <laughs> they killed Perry. They kill Perry. <laughs> and then it turns into the full, like, you remember the stuff in Long Kiss Goodnight, except now he has even, like, better effects to do it with, better, uh, mm-hmm. you get Downey Jr. hanging over a freeway overpass by an arm, hanging out of a casket. It's just, like, all of his ideas. Just like, and then we're going to do this and this and stack it on this. Yeah. The hanging by the dead arm out of the casket. Over the freeway is just like, oh, man, I love that so much. And it's all because a guy is pretending to be a detective to impress a girl mm-hmm. who slept with all of his friends. I didn't, Which I didn't, he I didn't really like, tells us a lot. I didn't like how they had to really hammer that in nine <laughs> this, times. This girl was just the what town. A slut this girl yeah, man. was. Like, man, she had a hard childhood grown up and you don't see any evidence of her being that way in the movie it's such a weird thing of the era where he's he's like kind of wistful about this girl who's also just the town jar (laughs) apparently like oh my god the way they talk about this woman in the most just like oh yeah her she fucks 17 people that i directly (laughs) knew in one like why are we giving her this awful backstory yeah, that has I, to... Every detail of her life keeps getting brought up. It's bad enough that, yeah, her sister's being abused by the dad, and she... she why, why, why did they... Why? Why, did we, why do we have to have <laughs> this much of a lurid... Probably but, didn't blink an eye in 2005 watching it. Just like, yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. 
<laughs> and so for me to be going from shocked at at uh, Gay Perry's death into Downey Jr. pulling off some very cool gunplay, him falling onto a car. You think, man, another funny joke. One of the funniest in the movie. It's one word. So when he falls onto a car, groans the way a man would groan if he had just fallen back first, but perfectly squared up onto yeah. a car. Looks over and sees a guy with a gun and just goes, no. <laughs> Before shooting. <laughs> so good. It's out of all these things where he's using, talking a mile a minute to get his jokes in, he can just nail a simple no on the exact right tone for it. And then Val Kilmer has to pull off one of the toughest scenes in the movie where he not only is he announced as being alive for some reason, where he then has to explain a very wordy and very complicated Chinatown style like oh, incest man. angle. And a very no- sad like downer of a like, no, actually she did kill herself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also there was, uh, she was just really triggered by incest and she thought she was wit. Also Corbin Burnson was kind of having sex with a guy that she was made to think was his daughter. And Val Kilmer has to do this with like a straight face 30 seconds after both of them realize he's alive. Yeah. Well, they, you know? they do the, the, strongest parody bit in the movie of bringing him back alive and over narration being like, yeah, I know it's a hacky thing in a movie, but uh, no, that's really what happened. And also, and then it's like Elvis comes into the room and all these, you know, they're doing this like parade of fantasy. Yeah. And then he's got to be like, well, actually she took her own life. (laughs) (laughs) Just wheeling his way into the room to deliver the worst bit news. And then even having to be like, it gets worse. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was right before that. Yeah, you get that. It's kind of the the satire movie version of the Michael Hannock type ending where you're rooting for two people to die, two mm. of the worst people ever to die, and then he has to go, hmm, says a lot about you, huh? <laughs> Just like, ah, come on. Really? Yeah, because I'm the bad guy because I want the guys in funny games to die. Right. Right? That's me. Come on, Michael Hannock. <laughs> and this is them going... You got me. Yeah, yeah, you got me. I rooted for revenge. Oh, isn't that interesting? Zing. I'm watching a movie. And so, yeah, they're, make, they're making fun of that, but it's also tough to see 17 years later in the post-Scream, post-Shane Black, post-Guys, where everything is just references of references and people saying how they understood the references. And so them just... Yeah, don't you hate when movies do that one thing when they stop and do... Man, I don't need to explain film tropes to me. Yeah, well, and that's when he makes the Lord of the Rings reference, being like, yeah, I saw Lord of the Rings. I won't make the movie end 17 times like that. I was like, man, was that really that well-known of a (laughs) Yeah, that was the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Look, man, it's original when I go around quoting The Simpsons. All right. Yeah. I don't want everybody else to be doing it in my movies. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that is, yeah, that's what's changed. It's like we don't just live our lives by quoting things anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like there was a strong period of my life between like 16 and 26 where I don't think I said an original word. <laughs> I think I just said Simpsons or like Ren and Stimpy quotes. It's just me stealing like Jack Handy and, and Simpsons. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Everybody's like, this guy's going places. This guy's the funniest. Met somebody that's never heard The Simpsons, like right. coming to America, they must have thought everybody was the funniest dude in 2000. When The Simpsons was, this is it. 0405 was when The Simpsons was all coming out on DVD. 
Mm-hmm. So everybody was just consuming seasons two through eight, and ev- we all had the best jokes. We were all James L. Brooks's yep. out there. That's what it is. And now we have to like call somebody up to uh, say, no, they did commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> also then after that, they, yeah, they have the weird epilogue scene of Val Kilmer for some reason taking it upon himself to confront the abusive dad who we've not seen in the movie yet, who's now a bedridden old man. Oh my god! And slap him Just around a little. Just beat an old man. Yeah, I'm beating yeah. an old defenseless man. Yeah, real tough guy. And then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> like, what? Why did Val Kilmer do that? That happens, but then it would have made just as much sense. Like what I was expecting, since this was like the time I was expecting Downey to to be like married to Michelle Monaghan and then for it to go to like Val Kilmer just like slapping around an old man <laughs> with like nose tubes. And then for Downey Jr. to be like holding up wedding rings and be like, my wife. <laughs> yeah, probably. Remember my wife? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it was like a, so such funny. a good time, right? So good. <laughs> Remember how much you could kill? Uh, like just out getting some chose? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it, man. We can't get it back. Oh. There's never going to be another 9-11 that leads to the rocking against Bush. <laughs> we never, we're never, we never going to rock against Bush. We're never going to do it. That's a shame. <laughs> this movie both knew that and was just like, hey, it's inevitable. <laughs> Guys, you don't want to be an American idiot. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> it's just you think the idea of this movie couldn't get any weirder. It closes with an all-timer credit song. All-timer. Yeah. We've kind of run across a lot of just credit songs that aren't matching up to the vibes Mm -hmm. of what you've just seen. And sometimes it's really annoying where you just watch like a really grisly horror movie where somebody just got gutted ass to elbow with a chainsaw. And for no reason, like, Lollipop starts playing at the credits. We're like, man... Right. These guys. Or the yeah, the American werewolf in London like Sure. Yeah. And this is like an all timer in a different way. Where it is you could have given me a hundred guesses about what style of music would be playing over the credits of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and I would not have guessed Robert Downey Jr.'s I'm Clean comeback album Broken. Oh. This is this I was, was I was expecting gangster rap. I was expecting <laughs> something blaring. Uh, the whole score has been like this neo noir kind of jazz, you know, bebop kind of. I always just expect "Don't Fear the Reaper." Sure, just like also a good just, yeah. Just put your money on "Don't that Fear the Reaper," right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, we get some real sappy shit at the end of this. So movie. this is like <laughs> so Downey Junior's broken is. I think there's no better proof that this man was, like, clean. This is some of the most earnest, sincere. All these lyrics are just like, What would you do with a broken? It's like James Taylor light. Yeah, it reminded me of, like, a Goo Goo Dolls light or something. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Very much, like, some mellow acoustic. Like Then you come in with some kind of smoky females, like, my heart is broken. <laughs> it felt like it felt kind of 
the the woman vocals felt like there's there's this really terrible song it was a number one hit in the 80s where it's a mashup of Freebird and like baby i love your way oh yeah 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 the worst mm. song it's like it's the worst song ever made right mm. you're just at a target and you're just like oh god it's that peter frampton song and then like one minute later you're still like looking for the and it's just like if I leave, you're like <laughs> what? And then once you once it hits you, and you're just like, no. And this is kind of, it's. I wouldn't be shocked if the woman doing the vocals on this was that woman singing that awful Freebird mashup. It. It's that kind of music, and yeah, it's that man. This is, is like cl- if, that is a clean yeah. man right there. That is a yeah. guy who is not spending his days uh, blackout drunk. No. That is a guy who's like got a lot of time now, and he's got to fill some hobbies. So he's like, "I'm making an album of standards and originals." <laughs> There's a full album of this. A full album. I had to look it up because yeah, it's called "The Futurist." Oh baby, <laughs> yeah. This is the lead single. Broken was the lead single off this album, and uh, mixed reviews. <laughs> mixed. What if the rest of that that album is great though? Like, what if it's just like. Oh, it's pretty good. Early two thousands <laughs> yeah. alt rock, like there's a yeah, it's like Wilco. <laughs> Maybe the rest sounds Wilco. It's ba- it, it it sounds like a bit of like a Coldplay, but then like the guy who sings "Walking in Memphis." It's like a little, oh man, <laughs> it's just like a little of both of that. This is a real "Walking in Memphis" vibe. <laughs> man, talk about a grocery store song. Yeah, I mean, I was at Whole Foods the other day, and it was like. Right here, right <laughs> now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And that walking in Memphis is different, but this is walking, walking in Memphis, man. A yeah. song that I've never heard anywhere but a Rayleigh's. It's I was, the official song. I thought I, when before I looked up that it was like, oh my god, it's Robert Downey, guys. I thought it was like Jason Mraz, totally. a guy like that. Definitely someone wearing a like a fedora and scarf at a piano. One of those types that were also everywhere in this right era. But like it's not even like Garden State level bad, <laughs> like Iron and Wine. It's like real. <laughs> it's definitely Iron and Wine is. <laughs> I think he's. I'm a not Sam B fan, right? You know, I I like the Shins. You know, the Shins. It's tough when you're in a movie that says like, "Hey, want a band that'll change your life?" <laughs> when you're that, and then all of us bought it on DVD, and so that that's a tough moniker to live up to right but shins and iron wine wrote some songs (laughs) this uh you're gonna have to tell me how the futurist is oh i have to listen to it (laughs) i I am showing more interest in it than you are it was released on sony classical so it was marketed to like piano jazz fans like you buy your diana i bet it was at starbucks with the diana crawl sure and like DVD copies of Aquila and the Bee. I, I, it, do you have the uh, album cover? Because I'm just picturing like Robert Downey Jr. like kind of pensively looking off camera a little bit. It's better. It's kind of like a modern art graffiti style, oh, but Lord. with like it looks like a late '80s Lou Reed album when he yeah. had his shitty mullet. God, that looks you like they got, they got Dave McKean from the Sandman comics to do that or something. It's, it's probably got like a couple of like like a Pat Metheny guitar mm. solo, some David Sanborn style jazz. You're in for yeah. a treat. <laughs> I, want, I know what I'm getting for I Christmas. I know what you do with a broken heart, but maybe uh, the futurist provides some answers. Man. Check out Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It is not the holiday fair you might be seeing, but 
it's just another example of why people were buying this dude's scripts for four million. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It is, yeah. For all the kind of weird dated stuff in there, I uh, yeah, still had a smile on my face the whole I, time. For all the jokes that I like grimaced at, you know, I'm sure when I saw like Road Trip or whatever that one was mm-hmm. with them, laugh my ass off. I'm sure, there's some problematic things in that. I'm sure Harold and Kumar hits differently now. I would bet, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you how hard I laughed my butt off at Harold and Kumar. For every grimace I made in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, man, I laughed so hard during, during certain spots. And then... Uh, it got a little choked up. Then it got choked up, right? <laughs> His best movies have that friendship at its core. He knows how to write that. Mm-hmm. Check it out. I had never seen it. I'm real happy I did. Give me this, baby. It did come to this. Yeah, if you like a Shane Black, go see it. If you are also like, yeah, I also don't remember anything from 2004 and 5, yet I remember everything from it. (laughs) This is right up your alley. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be going back for more from this period. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to (laughs) dig out my copy of Oh, Inverted World. I might go. I I think it's about time for my uh, Lethal Weapon rewatches, though. It's been a while. I want to do. We can do. We don't have to to wait till next Christmas. Do Lethal Weapon next week. We might have to do I'm that. hungry. Yeah. I'm hungry for more Shane. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank you for listening. Good night. Not about you